boys screws loose, they done stripped the bolts on them Shoulda never sent them to pick up the work for me Sprayed the park and had my shit inside the car Marcus Smart Boy was shooting with a 36 on him Said if he wasn't in a rush, they was all gone Hello and welcome to another edition of Chuddy's Corner Everyone's favorite Celtics podcast It's been a while, but we are back a little reunion show Gonna get things rolling again I'm your host, Ben, a.k.a. King Chuddy, joined as always by my co-host, Nick Pereno. Nick, how we doing? It's good. Doing good. I just had to take, take another button down. Oh, uh, okay. Had to, I had to relax a little bit, but yeah, no, I'm good. It's been, uh, it's been a long time coming. Um, first episode of the season, I believe, right? It has. It's been way too long. It is the first episode of the season. We've been slacking. We've been busy. Unfortunately, sometimes life gets in the way, but we are back on the grind. We're committed. It is Tuesday, February 7th. We're just under 48 hours away from the NBA trade deadline, so we'll have a lot of talk about transactions, potential trades, all of that kind of stuff. We'll talk about the team. We'll we'll try to hit on as much as we can. We're going to try to get this back going on a weekly or at least semi-weekly basis. Uh, keep bringing you our Celtics and general NBA thoughts uh, before we dive in. As always, you can follow us both on Twitter. As I said, I'm at King Chuddy. Nick is at Nick. Is it Nick underscore Perino or underscore Nick Perino? It's underscore Nick Perino. Okay, few, and then you can follow the show at Shuddy's Corner. Sorry, it's been a while, Ben. I, it has. I know. I'm I rusty. don't expect you to retain my, every rusty. handle of my. Uh, I'm trying here. I think you'll find it if you search it. But uh, the easiest <laughs> way, of course, you can always go to nickperino.com, and there you'll find links to everything: the blog, the podcast, the show Twitter, both of our Twitter, kind of everything you need, and um, you can find all your real estate needs there as well. So it's really a great checkout. Um, all right. Well, without further ado, like I said, this is somehow our first episode of the season. It's been too long, but like I said, it's Tuesday, February 7th. The Celtics are 38 and 16, best record in the East, best record in the NBA, but only by a game. We've got a lot of teams breathing down our necks. The Bucks are a game back. The Sixers are only a few games back. We've got a big one coming up with Philly uh, tomorrow night, Wednesday, at Milwaukee coming up uh, later in the week, this weekend. Um, so, I mean, it's hard to be upset. Obviously, like I said, best record in the league, uh, got off to a roaring start, started out the year 21 and five. We were ripping off massive wins left and right at the best offense in NBA history. Um, stagnated a little bit, but I mean, been 17 and 11 since there've been a couple dips here and there, but still steadily cruising along. Um, and I mean, we've had guys in and out, we've had the coaching change, um, Really, the one constant has been Jason Tatum, basically an Iron Man. He's missed, what, three, four games all season. He's playing at an MVP or certainly near MVP level, obviously starting the All-Star game uh, in line for, you would think, first-team NBA. And really, at this point, doing everything you'd want from a superstar. Um, but, I mean, behind Tatum, I mean, Jalen Brown's obviously been pretty consistent. He's made his second All-Star game. He... Definitely has a shot at making an all-NBA team, um, and he's really kind of fulfilled his role as that second star. Marcus Smart was having a great year. He's missed the last seven games with his ankle injury. Uh, Rob Williams obviously missed a month. He's back. Al and some of the other vets have been on their usual rest regimen. Everything's kind of settling in. Um, With that said, I guess let's just kind of take a minute and 
talk about our thoughts on the season so far. What what sticks out on you? What's kind of your your general um, temperature check on where the Celtics are right now, February seventh? Um, I mean, I think obviously we had the historic run at the beginning of the year. Everybody was um, excited, rightfully so, and so were <laughs> it was we. excited. Um, and obviously, you know, everyone knew that wasn't you know water was going to find its level at some point, and. Mm-hmm. Um, that just wasn't sustainable, but we've still been a fairly consistent team. We've been great. We've been, you know, still, I still think we're probably the best team in the league at full health. Yeah. Um, you know, when things are clicking and I think, you know, I like our shot at getting back to the finals. Um, we'll see who we play there. Um, <laughs> wow. <laughs> but, uh, no, I mean, I'm never, I'm never that confident when it comes to anything, but no, I know. um, no, I like, I like our shot. I mean, you know, after, after the finals last year, you know, nothing's guaranteed. So, you know, mm-hmm. you can't come into the season expecting to get back there. And it's like, you know, you've seen plenty of teams make it to the finals and never make it again. And, um, right. so you, you know, don't want to take anything for, anything for granted. And I think the way we came out after, you know, all the off season, drama um it was you know very refreshing to say the least yeah that's probably an understatement i mean it's it's almost easy to forget how uh you know with the Ime Joko deal the then the robert williams injury like mm-hmm. things were looking a little shaky and like you said the way we played especially that first month of the season really kind of put all that in the rear view um and it, it, it's hard to think they could have navigated tenuous situation any more seamlessly really um where it's you know there was all this hubbub about email and everyone freaking out that oh my god how are they not giving us the details this is going to ruin the locker room and i mean honestly it's become pretty much an afterthought so for all the talk of how this was handled i think looking back now i'm I'm as we said i don't think they could have handled it a lot better yeah i mean it's it's hard to disagree there was you know the fact that we came out so hot was, you know, obviously super helpful, you yeah. know, by, you know, <laughs> winning, clamp, winning you know. cures a lot. Right. So, I mean, if, if we came out and we're five and 10 to start the year, then, you know, that email stuff would have never gone mm-hmm. away or that would have been there you know, every right. step of the way, but definitely you know, came out and blew doors. So people are like, Oh yeah. You know, they forgot <laughs> all about him. They forgot everything that happened. Um, and you know, I'd say that's probably a big part of the reason why that was kind of, you know, yeah. swept under the rug. Um, yeah, it's a lot easier to move on that way. And, you know, I think we had our team back with improvements. So, I mean, the roster that we had last year making it to the finals, we got better. I think pretty much everyone agrees on that, agrees to that. Um, and I think a lot of people don't even realize, like, I don't even know if Rob Williams is like, fully back yet which I don't is kind of scary is. although last mean? night against detroit i think would you have 15 and 15 and yeah pretty spry yeah. but no he definitely looks like he's getting the timing and rhythm and all yeah. of that stuff back um i mean he looks but, great um, the team obviously is much better with him yeah. so i mean <laughs> the fact that you know we've been, he's been playing this well and right you know, i feel like you know i'm not saying they're keeping the training wheels on him but um, I think, no, I think they they're still. I think they're still taking it easy with them. And, and frankly, right, there's so. no, right. There's no reason not to. Um, yeah. But I mean, it's crazy. I think the last year's 
starting five, obviously, with Marcus, the Jays, Rob, and Al, that was the best lineup basically in the league, has still played a total, I think, of just under 30 minutes together all season. So that's crazy. For I mean, it feels like we've been relatively healthy. But again, I think that's so much tied to just Tatum being, you know, knock on wood, but basically an iron man. Um, But everyone else has kind of been in and out. And even since Rob's come back, I mean, obviously he was coming off the bench at first, but there's, you know, other guys are in and out. Jalen and Marcus now. So it just hasn't really all happened together. Um, but, you know, nothing that seems like overly concerning, like long-term injury. And like you said, there's no reason to take any chances with anyone. Whereas, you know, at this point, like you said, the team kind of, they've proven what they are from last year that they're, it's title or bust at this point, pretty much. The players are intact. We've even added pieces, added depth. We're more experienced, all this. So, I mean, as much as you want to go out, win every game, get the one seed, I think obviously the most important thing is peaking at the right time and being healthy and fresh. As we're, you know, looking back, I think last year, one of probably ultimately the biggest, you know, I think there's a lot of reasons the Celtics lost to the Warriors in the finals, but one of the biggest reasons is that because we started so bad, we had to absolutely bust ass for the entire second half of the regular season. We're really, you know, battling for our live every game to get a decent record and then played slugfests in the playoffs against, you know, especially the Milwaukee and Miami series where like, you know, drag them out seven game series where we just got absolutely physically annihilated. And I think there's no doubt that that team was pretty exhausted once it was, finals time and um you know I, i'm thinking i think we learned a lot from that experience and hopefully are trying to avoid that as much as possible this year yeah yeah there's definitely a balance i think between uh you know like the lebron Kyrie irving way of <laughs> managing the regular season where it's like who cares just make it into play in game and then you know <laughs> then you, then you play in the playoffs where you know maybe that made sense for certain teams back in the day when, you know, it was just super teams and there were no other players in the East. But, uh, right. you know, I think now it's more, you know, we got to the hot start. Now we're kind of, you know, we're playing our game. We're getting, we're trying to improve, you know, around mm-hmm. the margins and whatever. Um, defensively, um, we've been much better. I think, I don't know if I saw this right. I thought I saw a stat the other day that, it might have even been last night that since Rob's been back, we've had the best defensive rating in the league or something. Yeah. Is that, is I that think, right? Uh, best or second. But I mean, even for the entire season, we still have, are we, I think we're second now in net rating on offense, just mm-hmm. a hair behind the nuggets. And we're fifth in defense yeah. first in overall net rating. So we're the only team in the top five in both. Um, Philly is in the top 10 in both as is Cleveland. Although I think they're 10th in offense, but um, I mean, pretty clearly by net rating, the best all-around team. And yeah, like as we said, it was an amazing start offensively to the season. And since then, we've kind of fallen back into the team that we looked like last year. It was still a good offense, but getting back to that elite defense. And I mean, I think part of that, again, is just at this point, even though our guys are still young, the Tatum, Browns, and Smarts of the world, and Rob, it's like they know 
they're in for the playoffs. And I think we've seen it from Al. I mean, especially look at some of those games, the Warriors game where he was an absolute menace. And it reminds you like, oh yeah, playoff Al is in there. And he's yeah. you know, not, not coasting. These guys aren't coasting, but it's managing the regular season. Like you said, it's yeah. kind of what all stars and vets do. And you see that a lot more with this team. And it's, it's nice where last year we were still kind of living and dying on every regular season game and the panic meter was all over the place. Whereas this year it's nice. We can have a game, you know, the other night where we kind of, I don't want to say mail it in, but the Celtics have certainly no showed some games lately. And it's not like the sky is falling. It's like, okay, we can lose this random game to the thunder without SGA by 50 points. And I'm still not worried. You know, we'll come out and <laughs> beat the good teams when we have to, like, it's, yeah. I don't, I don't want to say we've become a flip the switch team, but, uh, Things have changed in that regard. Let's put it that way. Well, I think we're kind of in that in that mid-season stage. You know, I don't want to call it like a lull, but like, you know, the first couple months of the year, and you come out and you, you know, try to do what you're best at and Mm -hmm. come out strong. And, you know, it's obviously what we did. Um, And then, you know, you kind of get to mid-season where it's like, all right, well, we know we can score a lot of points. You know, let's try and figure out some other things. And then... Mm -hmm. You know, maybe you get into that mid-season where it's like, you know, you're not like, you're not pretending it's preseason, but, you know, you're trying to figure things out as you go. Um, You know, maybe use games as like, you know, not practice, but I don't know. It's like, like even like last night when you play like a team like Detroit where, you know, any given night you can lose, but, um, you know, you see Tatum coming out and it's like, he's very obviously emphasizing passing the ball. Mm-hmm. you know, trying to move the ball. And it's like, it's not like you can't do that, but it's like, right. there's games like this where I feel like, you know, maybe if you play like a team like Detroit, maybe you try that for like, Hey, just go out there and right. see if you can like, you know, make some plays for other people get the other, you know, get the rest of the team. Well, going. a lot of the game, they were running doubles at him the second he crossed well, yeah. half court to I mean, get the ball out of his hands. And then you got no, no Marcus, no Jalen. That's going to happen. But yeah, I mean, no, you could even tell that first quarter, he could like, be more aggressive. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah, he could have been more aggressive, but that was obviously an emphasis I think that they were mm-hmm. trying to work on yesterday. So that's what I kind of mean where it's like you kind of, you know, working out the kinks mid-season, right. you get to the trade deadline, maybe you add some people and then you mm-hmm. go into the the playoff run where it's like, you know, you sort of get into playoff mode. Yeah. Yeah. Go go for that one. And I think like you said, I mean, these are the NBA doldrums, the winter leading yeah. up to the All-Star break and it's you look around the league, all the good teams, I mean, not no one's really just running through everyone. I know the Nuggets are hot right now, the Bucks are hot right now. They finally have their team, Philly's playing well, but like you said, the way we started the year was not sustainable, nor is it necessary to sustain that. Um but, you know, just keeping consistency, which we've done is we still have the best record in the league and you know, um the league is good, the, especially the East. The East is stacked. It's a good um, league, yeah. Yeah, I mean, all these teams are really good. And like you said, for us to be kind of, I wouldn't say the clear favorites, but the favorites, I think, is fair to say, for, to win the whole thing. And the best team, I think, on paper when everyone's healthy. So, yeah, it's a pretty good pretty good position to be in. <laughs> yeah, I was just talking today, too, about, uh, with somebody about how it wasn't that long ago where the East was just like, LeBron, you know, it was Cleveland and nobody else. Right. And how and far was, how far yeah. we've come. The East was a powerhouse, eight teams deep. Now, yep. you know, it's not like the the West is, you know, Sox, but the East is very competitive. I mean, yeah. there's, there's probably, you know, there's a you few. You could argue that the best three to teams are all, like, in the East. I mean, yeah. so, 
What can you do? Nothing we can do about that. Um, but I mean, I think that's another reason that the regular season is important because kind of the better path we can give ourselves, mm-hmm. the better, you know, the fewer of, if we can get the one seed and, avoid, and, you know, let Milwaukee and Philly battle it out and Cleveland and Brooklyn battle it out or whatever. Um, but I mean, I guess the fewer of those teams we have to play, obviously the better. So the regular season does matter. Home field, home court matters. Yeah. But um, at the end of the day, I think the Celtics have proven that we should like their chances against any team on any court. Yeah. yeah I mean, you know, I wouldn't say we go into any series in the playoffs and it's like a lock to win. I mean, obviously some of the, the worst teams, but on any of the top teams. Yeah. Um, but I don't like fear anyone that I, no. you know, like, like I have in the past. I think most no. years it's like, you know, really don't want to see this team in the playoffs, but right. We'll probably, you know, we should beat them, which I think kind of that's that's where we were at last playoffs, where we're like, you know, I'd rather see this <laughs> but team. But we still hadn't seen it last year. Yeah, exactly. Now we've actually done it and seen it, and then it's like, I felt like we should be confident, but it was still like, okay, but are we actually going to do it? Where now mm-hmm. we've done it, and it's like, okay, yeah, we should be able to do it. But and I mean, ho- hopefully it's like think- a monkey off your back sort of thing where it's like, yeah, you know, the, we you know we got taken to seven games with by Bucks right. and the Heat, where it's yeah. like maybe now it's like, all right, well. Maybe they're not quite as – they lose some of the jitters. And they're like, all right, we know we can beat anybody. Let's put them away. Let's just put them away take, take, take care, care of business. business. Yeah. Exactly. And I think, I mean, probably the other two best teams, I'd say, probably in the whole NBA that we've seen are Milwaukee and Philly. And they're two teams that, I mean, we match up well with and have kind of had their number, so to speak. So, I mean, I know, you know, every Milwaukee fan is screaming right now, well, we didn't have Middleton. But, <laughs> hey. It happened. It is what it is. Um, yeah, hey, and I'd we like didn't our have chances Rob, against either, especially if we have home court. I'd love our chances. So we'll see what happens. And I mean, again, we'll see what happens in the next few days. That's as constituted right now. I think Milwaukee and Philly are definitely both calling around the league, trying to upgrade their rosters. And there's a chance that when we talk a week from now, we might be a little more scared of one of these teams. I mean, hopefully oh, yeah. not, but uh, it's it's definitely possible. Uh, yeah. And I think Cleveland, Milwaukee, even Philly, all of those teams, if they could add a, a good two-way wing, that would uh, change the math a little bit because that's one one place we've kind of owned those teams where they just really have a tough time matching up with the Jays. Um, so I'm sure that's, you know, that's what they're hunting for because at this point we are, you know, we're the defending East champs. We're the number one seed. Those teams ha- are now looking to build their roster to compete with us, uh, which is kind of a change from years past where we were – building around other teams, um, it's a shift. So, I mean, again, that's it's part of the game, and it's uh, a welcome shift. And probably not coincidentally, most of the better teams and the real contenders have, you know, solid front office, good mm-hmm. GM. So it's like, you know, they have the uh, – the, they're in a position to make, you know, pull off some moves because they're well they're well run, which is probably why they're here and why they have good rosters and, of course, know, et cetera. So – it's but a lot of them have already. A lot of them have already also used a lot of their resources to get yeah. the team they have now. So it's not like those teams can go like big game hunting. But you know, even upgrades like of good, those teams at the margins could could yeah. swing things. You good, know, it's, it's good GMs can figure things out sometimes. You know, you, you, you think, but Definitely. we'll see. Hopefully not. <laughs> Hopefully not, but we will see. Um, all right, talking about a little more of the current team. We brushed on it for a sec. What are your thoughts on? Uh, Joey Maz so far, Joe Mazzula, the gum chewer, the anti-timeout <laughs> caller, the somersaulter. <laughs> where, where are we at with, with interim coach Joe Mazzula, who is about our age, uh, the youngest coach in the league? Oh, Jesus. Well, how old is he? 30 what? 
I think he's 33. Maybe, maybe oh 34. God. He's yeah. Well, I feel like it's the thing that you know bugs me about. I'm pretty sure he know. played against Smart in call or no, not Smart. He played against Blake in college. Jeez. It's like <laughs> yeah. I'm still like stuck in you know high school know. where where I look at these players and they're like all older than me. Now I look at them and I'm like, oh yeah, that's you know that guy's probably 10 years older than me, and it's like <laughs> he's 24 years old. It's, it's hard to it's hard to break that. But anyways. Um, mm-hmm. Look at a guy's my age. Oh, what are, this guy's ancient. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> he can still walk. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, interim head coach, Joey Maz. Uh, I mean, he's, it's, hard to, it's hard to think he hasn't done a great job, I mean, to this point. And, I mean, mm-hmm. I don't really – I don't want to give him too much credit for the beginning of the year, which, I mean, he obviously deserves some. But, I mean, that was just like an unprecedented run. We, you know, we came out with our core guys. We were doing – you know, mm-hmm. it was a good situation for him to get started in. Yeah. And I think maybe... I mean, I think he deserves credit just for kind of settling the group. Yeah, no, Nothing exactly. schematically that it was groundbreaking, but just just keeping the team composed and getting them yes. focused. On yes, the task I mean, he, he did a great job from that point. Um, right. But like, you know, the X's and O's, we really, you know, it was hard to tell because we were just blowing doors on everybody. Um, but, you know, it's a testament to his ability, like you said, to you know, keep people, you know, in check and uh, motivate the guys and keep everybody happy, which is half the battle in the NBA these days, pretty much. You got a lot of, a lot of egos, um, a lot of big personalities, um, mm-hmm. not necessarily on our team, but, you know, I'm sure they exist in every locker room. Yeah, um, for sure. So he did a great job there. And then I think, you know, we hit a little bit of a lull, um, I don't know when it was, month, month or two ago. Yeah, there was uh, there was a there was a period where we were like a couple um, skids, had a couple crazy, skids. but and then that at that point, you know, we have a you know, lose three games in a row, and people are like, oh, here it is, he stinks, fire, fire he, Joe, fire Joe, <laughs> this is why we need Eme back, right, blah blah right. blah. As if Eme um, wasn't well, no, twenty two or right. twenty four, whatever last right. year, exactly. Time. So the goal, uh, the goalposts have moved a bit. Yes, but he really like I don't want to say he's growing before our eyes, but I mean, he, he looks like an NBA head coach out there and yeah, you know, people obviously are like, well, he's so young, but I mean, you see young coaches come in the league. Mm-hmm. If, if you have it, you have it. It's like kind of, you know, obviously the more experience you get, the better, but yeah. when you're a coach in the NBA and you know, a lot of leagues, a lot of situations, it's like if you know where you're, if you have it, you pretty much have it from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, and he seems like he knows what he's doing. He knows how to, he knows how to talk to the guys. He can relate to them, obviously, because he's basically yeah. the same age as all of them. Um, <laughs> they see, they seem to respect him. He, um, you know, and it's not like he's obviously he keeps it light. Yeah, he's obviously keeps it light. He's more of a a player's coach. He's I wouldn't say he's like a drill sergeant, but um, which I think he kind of you know it's kind of the, the direction head coaching is going. But um, he's you know, he's got the respect of the locker room. He can, you know, he doesn't lay into the guys, but he's not afraid to tell them if they're doing something wrong or he's not afraid to coach them, I guess is what it comes down to. So, um, yeah, I'm happy with his development. I'm happy with obviously where we're at right now, first place. Um, you know, could have been a disaster and he's steadied the ship and kept us going. And, you know, I'd say we're, you know, regardless of what our roster is, we have operated like a real well-run NBA franchise, which 
you know, it doesn't even, it doesn't really matter what your roster is. That's yeah. Can't hear you, bud. Yeah, I, I think he hasn't. It's not like he's tried to overly kind of insert himself into this. Yeah. I think he's done a good job of realizing this team is really good. They're coming back from the finals. They should be better. He just has to has to coach and lead. He doesn't have yeah. to change anything crazy. He doesn't have to put his stamp on it. Like, and that's been good. That doesn't seem like he has an ego as a coach. And I think yeah. probably the biggest thing with Ime is that's been talked about. I mean, Ime with Joe uh, coaching wise is probably his use of timeouts, which he hates timeouts. Yeah. Although it seems like he's warming up to them. Yeah. Um, and then the fact that he always says, you know, he says nothing, this and that. But I think a lot of that. I give him credit for, again, kind of letting his players do it. And especially we've got Marcus, Jalen, Jason, Al, especially those guys. They've been together for so long. They're vets. They know what they're doing. He knows that he doesn't need to say anything. Letting them talk in the huddle is is great, in my opinion. You know, letting these guys work it out. These guys know each other so well. He doesn't need to come in, and he's not going to reinvent the wheel. He's not going to tell them anything crazy. He's just kind of pushing them in the right direction and trusting his players and letting them play, which like you said, a lot of that is kind of how the NBA is. So I think he's kind of done a really good job of balancing it. And yeah, there's been some nights where I don't love his use or lack of use of timeouts, or there's been some situations where I don't love his rotations, but I mean, overall, again, for a very new rookie head coach, I think he's done a great job and I think he'll only keep getting better. He's still learning. And I think, you know, as much as we want everything to be perfect right now. We still need to judge him as a rookie coach as he may was last year. And, you know, now people, when Joe has a bad game, they look back at he and act like, you know, we lost red hour back. And uh, <laughs> again, if you just compare where they both were at this point in their first season coaching, Joe, Joe has been a lot better. Obviously he yeah. did an amazing job, took a team that wasn't where this one was when Joe started, but um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's everything with Joe. You could say negative is really just a nitpick at this point. Yeah, and like, yeah, like you said, kind of he's he didn't insert himself. He's not like he didn't come in trying to install his new his own like, you know, put his fingerprints on everything and install his new system. Mm-hmm. He basically found what you know his own role in this team that you know already existed. He knew you know he's like you know we're gonna do what we do well. We're gonna you know we'll work on things here and there, but I'm just gonna mm-hmm. you know he's gonna do his part and everyone else, you know, does what they're good at. And I think that was yeah. the right move. I mean, it's, you know, very humbling, I think. And, um, you know, if you get, if you, if your leader, the head coach is, you know, saying, I'm going to do, you know, my part and you guys keep doing your part, I think it kind of, you know, kind of trickles down and um, mm-hmm. it's good for morale. And I think, I think it's working out so far. <laughs> Definitely. Um, if it wasn't for the email contract kind of situation hanging over this whole thing, do you think they would have removed the interim tag and just made him the full-time head coach? Or do you think that's strictly the email contract holding him back? Or do you think they're still waiting to see how the season plays out? Uh, no, I think it's like contractual. Um, I mean, I know, I mean, there is a contractual reason why they can't do it. Right. I mean, they can't without fire. I mean, they could. Can't. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think, I think if we were at this point, they would have, you know, taken that tag off or whatever. But it's mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. It's just, you know, it's just a label. I mean, I think they've probably had conversations in the front office, like, hey, like, you know, if we could, we would, but 
Right. You know, you're a yeah, guy. I'm sure they've kind of reassured him that you keep doing this, you have nothing to worry about. Yeah, exactly. But, I mean, we'll cross that whole email Joe bridge when we get to it. But, yeah, at this point, I think the transition, um, the way it went down and all of that, you couldn't really ask for much more than what we've gotten. Yeah, great. Happy with, happy with uh, the decision. It was a guy that, you know, most people didn't know much about, if anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we were talking about, you know, like people like Mike D'Antoni and like bringing someone in from the outside. And, yeah, you know, that definitely. would have been a whole shift. And, you know, basically mm-hmm. we've been starting over from everything that we started with email last year. And I think, right, you know, the guys in the front office made the right choice. I mean, As, yeah, credit to Brad, credit to that front office for having faith in kind of the the staff that was in place and the core of this team and staff to, to just keep it rolling. And they have credit to the players too, for I'm sure most of them are, you know, at least the the top guys signed off on it or gave their input. I mean, if, yeah. And I mean, Joe was obviously on the staff, one of the lead assistants. And so, you know, it's not a new face by any means. So yeah, definitely. He got their stamp of approval and, you know, it seems like everyone's kind of fallen in line and gotten on board really quickly. Like I said, it's it's been pretty impressive to see how quickly the EMA situation has really become kind of a non-story. Exactly. So it's it's refreshing. And uh, yeah, no yeah. Complaint. No complaints for me. No, it's it's hard to have many complaints, and I feel like it's hard to have many complaints about the players. We kind of talked about the old starting lineup. I think you know what can we say that hasn't been said? They are where they are. Um, but I mean, as we kind of look. Onto the bench, and then as as it's coming up on deadline day, um, you know we're mostly talking the Celtics. I think their roster is pretty much intact. We know that. Um, I mean, our top eight are very good; have been together for the most part. Um, the starting lineup, like we said, is is a wagon when they play together. Um, I think Derek White has been amazing in his first full season. I think the way he's played this year kind of just shows how complex um the defense that Ime kind of started with this team is that it's it's I think taken a while but you see now that White has been here for basically a full calendar year now at this point he looks so much more comfortable out there he's really invaluable to this team he's become one of our best players I think he frankly has a chance at making an all defense team and he's been great on offense too and with all the guys in and out of the lineups White has been I know another consistency. I think has he played in every game this year? I think he might have, and I think he started almost every game too, just because of kind of circumstance and the way we've been running lineups out. But White has been absolutely amazing this year. I think um, the Brogdon trade, I think, great acquisition. He's been really good for the most part. Um, I mean, I think we're seeing you know some struggles from him, kind of on defense, especially uh, you know just trying to learn the scheme and I mean he's not super athletic but Brogdon you know for a <laughs> sixth seventh man has, has been another great fit you know teams aren't going to get that good of guys and I think the more he plays with these guys the more kind of comfortable he gets with Rob and some of his other kind of partners and learning on the ropes on defense he's only going to get better um I think Grant has been up and down um hasn't made like huge strides, but we obviously know what he brings in big moments and his kind of what he brings is always beyond the box score. Um, and I mean, again, you know, that's your eighth man. And then kind of down the list, I think Hauser was obviously awesome for the first month of the season was less than awesome. Mm-hmm. After that, uh, he had a nice game last night in his first career start made five threes. So, I mean, again, he's like your ninth man, Pritchard, 
kind of, you know, he gets a shot here and there. He hasn't been great. His shooting's dipped a little, but again, that's your 10th guy. Cornette, again, down the line. So, um, I mean, anything that kind of you want to add to any of those bench guys specifically? Like I said, I think we've Everyone knows what's up with the starters, but what's your, been your take on, I guess, those guys, the rest of the guys who realistically play? Uh, I agree with Derek White. He's been, you know, kind of under the radar really, really good for us. And, I mean, it's not like, you know, there's a lot of people that they're probably watching, like, oh, this guy White's good, but he's been, he's been you know, better than, I think, advertised, um, especially, you know, from people that, we made the trade for him last year. People are like, who the hell is Derek White? And then he came in and like, oh, I guess I see what it is. But, you know, last year he he was pretty dreadful from three, if I remember. His shooting you know, after, was not great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, it's been a lot better this year. But, I mean, it's, yeah. it's, I think it's everything. I think it was tough to come in and adjust, like I said, where I yeah. mean, it took our own players 40, 50 games to even know what they were doing on defense before they figured it out. Yeah. So for him to come in in the middle was obviously tough. Yeah, and I think you know that was probably a you know that was one of the you know bigger criticisms of him last year was like this guy can't mm-hmm. hit a three, and then we're like, well, right. off season, you know, if if he can just be average, an average three point shooter, yeah, then he'll be perfect, and you know that's what I think he's a little better than average at this point. I think um, he's been really really good in pretty much every phase of the game, and like I said, he's become really. I mean, it's hard. We have a lot of key players, but he's he's right in that mix as, you know, one of the most important guys to this team. I don't know where we'd be without him. <laughs> he's been reliable. He's been consistent um, pretty much all year. He has. Um, you know, great on both both ends. He's very he's very confident uh, this year. Which, not to say he like wasn't last year, but, you know, he's not afraid. Yeah, he's played though, in all 54 know. games, and yeah. he is shooting about 38% from three, so... Yeah. That with uh, yeah. elite, truly elite defense, it's like he just what what a perfect role player and what what a great find that was and yeah, great to see. Really, in this season, he is. I mean, he'd he'd be a, a star player. Um, I mean, and that's a big part of the Celtics' depth is a lot of guys kind of accepting a role. But it's like if if he hadn't been forced to start so many games, you'd think he'd be in the sixth man of the year race. Like I said, I think he is in the all defense race. Um. Really, just an awesome, awesome role player. Yeah, he's versatile. I mean, supposedly only six four. He seems bigger than six four, but I don't know. He, he plays, plays bigger, bigger but I mean, he's basically a rim protector. Yeah, he is. <laughs> he could be. Uh, you know, he he could play wing. He's obviously combo guard. I mean, he's he's perfect for you know what we're you know definitely we're trying to do a structure of our team and whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's he's twenty eight. He's a vet. He's been around. Uh, I know he hasn't been on. He wasn't on great teams and in San Antonio for a while, but I mean, yeah, but he played for pop. He played yeah. with, with good coaching. And... Um, and then with Malcolm also, uh, yeah, like, you know, he has, he hasn't been perfect lately, but he's exactly, I think, you know, when we traded for him, we, we were saying this is exactly what we needed. It's exactly what we we're missing. Yeah. Someone who can, you know, we saw our offense just go flat in the playoffs too many times last year. Yeah. Um, and we were like, we we just you know we don't have, we didn't have a real, you know, score, someone who can just come in off the bench, and just yep. you know Create take offense. over, and um, I mean he's proven to be able to do that. Like you know, he can play, he, he can score at will basically. I mean, <laughs> yeah, he, his iso ball is great. He can make the pass if he needs to. He's been a great shooter. 
Um, I don't know what his numbers are, but he seems like he was leading the league for a bunch of the year. He slumped <laughs> a little, but he's still, yeah, he's shooting the hell out of the ball. I mean, he's offensively, I don't think you could ask for much more. Yeah. Um, like I said, the defense has left a little to be desired, but yeah. but he's he's still been, a good defender. He's been um, a good and, defender in the past, so I'm not worried about. And he's it. just, and, I think, he's just a little slow. It's weird. Like he's obviously a guard, but he does better. I think he's so strong. I mean, one of I thought his best defensive games was that Lakers game when Joe switched him onto AD and he guarded AD mm-hmm. for most of the second half and basically shut him down completely. So again, I think there's a lot of kind of experimenting still going on and figuring out how all of these guys work best. But I think the more he kind of settles in and finds his role, especially on that defensive end, and, uh, you know, he's only going to get better and it's only going to help the team more. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, he's another like kind of like Derek White where he's versatile. He's, yeah. you know, combo guard, can play some wing. I mean, he's mm-hmm. he's 6'5", and he's, you know, he's a big boy. He's Very thick, strong. strong. Yeah. But, you know, he's not athletic, like you said, but. You, know, you don't have to be athletic. No. Um, he gets to he gets to his, to his spots. He, uh, you know, he's good around the rim. I mean, he's he was what we needed, and I think it's Definitely. I think it's proven to be it's great you know, addition. If, it, yeah, if he could, you know, really tighten up on defense, then it'll be like you know, be too Home run. true. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, and I, I mean, it's I think right now he still is leading or right there for six man of the year. Um, oh yeah, I yeah, I'd say so. If the team continues the way they're going. I'd say he's got a great chance to win that award. I'm rooting for him. Yeah. Um, so kind of yeah. the Grant, Hauser, Pritchard, Cornette. Grant. And uh, I'm a big Grant guy. I mean, the way he started the year, obviously, was unbelievable. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he's still young, so he's going to have ups and downs. And, I mean, it's not like he's been unplayable lately. It's just you know, no. he, hasn't, he hasn't been as great as he was you know, early this year. And he's, sure. I'm okay with him going through some growing pains middle of the season, you know, in January. Um, right. But, you know, I, I think he'll figure it out. He's, he's a hard worker. He, you know, wants to win. Yeah. Team guy. Him. He's Team accept- guy. very accepting of his role. So, yeah. So I think, I think he'll be fine. I'm not worried about him. I think, yeah, I think he's a good fit, obviously yeah. for, for yeah. what we're, what we're doing. Um, you know, Sam is what he is. Um, <laughs> you know, ideally he'll be, you know, a little bit more of what he was last night. I mean, he's not going to hit, he's not going to play 30 minutes, but, right. um, you know, he comes in and hits a couple threes. I mean, that's, I think that's, mm-hmm. that's all I really am looking for him to play, you yeah. know, a handful of minutes here and there, hit a couple threes and then well, go back and to the Well, and it's funny. I think the big concern with him was everything else, but it's been his shooting that's disappeared. I think he's been actually surprisingly really solid on defense and yeah, crashing the fun. glass. Like I haven't had too many complaints there. Sneaky good rebounder. Yeah. It's just that his shooting touch completely abandoned him, but yeah. hopefully he's starting to get that confidence back. Hopefully last night, like you said, starting playing 30 minutes, uh, kind of a pressure free role where you didn't have to worry about getting yanked as much. Um, and he looked, he looked pretty loose. So yeah, might've been a little attempt at a confidence boost, but yeah, like, hey, let's go out there and play free. A good idea. You yeah, know, that's that's what we want. Guys like that to get their confidence. So he did. He didn't hit a bucket in the second half, but no, that first but he half didn't, was good. Yeah, but that's all right. Hey, you hit five threes. That's fine. <laughs> More than fine. I mean, you know, yeah. from him, we'll take that yeah. any night. I mean, that's that's what a lot of people don't understand. Like, too, is when they look at. I have a buddy who's like very anti Sam Hauser, and he thinks I'm like, you know, the the king of his fan club. And I'm like, I'm not. You know, like I like the guy. I don't think he's great, but like. He is what he is. Like you're, not everybody on our team is going to be a star, and well, you exactly. need a guy that's going to be, you know, ninth, tenth man 
And if that ninth, tenth man can come in, you know, every, Mm -hmm. you know, fifth game and hit a couple threes and take a little pressure off the starters once in a while, that's all, that's all like you're asking them. You're not asking them to come in and, you know, hit five threes a game like you did yesterday. Like, and for years, it's like we've just been looking to find that guy, like you said, who's just kind of end-of-the-bench guy who can come in and just be a sniper for the team. And we finally have that. I mean, again, he went through a big slump, but essentially that's what he is. Like you said, he's the ninth, tenth man. He's a guy who on any given night in the playoffs might, you know, come in to try to provide a spark or might not play. And that's fine. Yeah. Like he's it's taking $1.8 million a year. Like <laughs> The thing is, like, he's not a guy – a guy like that, it's like not a guy that you need to win. It's just a luxury. Right. Yeah. Like if he comes in and does nothing, it's like, oh, well, whatever. That's we didn't expect him to do anything. If he comes in it's and hits three threes in a row, then it's like, oh, wow, we just you know stole a couple points from our ninth man. Yeah. Exactly. There's, there's nothing wrong with having a couple guys like that on your team. No, you need those. Yeah. Exactly. All right. So having said all that. As we now kind of shift our focus to the next few days and weeks of trade deadline, buyout market, etc., what do you think is this team's biggest need? Um, what should they be looking for? I mean, need is a strong word. <laughs> well, um, what what should what should Brad and company be targeting, in your opinion, right now? I mean, everybody obviously wants wings that can defend and shoot. So, I mean. I wouldn't say that's a need. I'd say that's a need for every team in the NBA. Um, I'd say I'm just looking for, you know, I think we've been over this past, right? I do just like a guy, a big man that can be, you know, third guy, fourth maybe. I mean, like, like a true, someone that's a true center that can take Cornette's minutes or someone's minutes. Like, I, I don't think Cornette's been bad, but I would like someone that, you know, can take some pressure off of Al and some pressure off of Rob Williams in the regular season where, you know, if they want to take a couple nights off here and there towards the end of the year, we could have him come in, someone that's not Blake Griffin, come start at center and, you know, feel confident about it. Just like, you know, doesn't have to be anyone great. Buyout market, yeah. if, like, I, I'd be happy with someone in the buyout market or uh, – I don't know. I don't know who's available in trade for, you know, yeah. backup centers, but um, ideally like, somebody like somebody, I would like someone a little bit athletic. And I mean, I know we're not going to find Rob Williams, but someone that, you know, can sort of do some of the things he does. Cause we've seen how crucial his mm-hmm. role is in our offense and defense. So if we can get someone that's even, you know, 60%, 50% Rob and can at least do some of those things um, yeah. and, you know, tread water for when he's not in there or when, you know, if he takes some nights off here and there. Um, Cause we don't have, we don't have anyone like him on the team. I mean, nobody can do what he does. Um, yeah. So it'd, it'd be nice to have someone that at least can, you know, pretend to be Rob Williams for you know <laughs> a couple minutes here and there, or, you know, a night here and there. Um, I think, I think we've seen, I think we've shown, I think Blake Griffin has shown us that he's probably not uh, an NBA caliber player anymore, unfortunately. I mean, he had some some flashes early in the year, and I don't think anyone expects him to, but um, like, uh, I would like someone better than him in in a, you know, break break class in case of emergency situation. 
Yeah. Okay. I think that's fair. Um, but I also think the need for a backup center is overblown. Yeah. I think if Rob and Al are healthy and Grant, um, like we don't really need any more minutes from a true center. Also, I mean, in the playoffs at least, which again, I don't like the idea. We're not, there's no point in really trading unless it's for an upgrade to our playoff rotation or someone who at least could be. Um, so, I mean, like, I don't, getting like a real center, it, there's kind of two ways to look at it. Are you just looking to bolster the bench depth? Or some people talk about it as like true Rob Al insurance. To me, the second one is just silly because if you lose Rob or Al, they're irreplaceable. Like that, unfortunately, would just completely cripple our chances. You're not replacing those guys. So I think getting an, a you know deeper bench guy who can do some of what they can do, great. But I just don't think we need to go out and get this true center. So I mean. To drop the first kind of name that's been rumored, Jakob Pertl from the Spurs, for example. I don't get it, to me. I really... He's a very good player, a very good center. He's seemingly available, but he's not a shooter, so he can't play with Rob. He is about to expire. He wants, supposedly, he's going to make, you know, looking for $20 million a year. So we're going to pay him almost double what we're paying Rob to be Rob's backup? at a position where non-shooting, non-stretch center is like, I I don't know. To me, that just doesn't make sense. Even if we acquired him, like he'd be a great luxury to have, but he's going to come to our team and play, you know, 12 to 18 minutes a night. Like, I just don't see that. He's overqualified for that role. Um, So, I mean, you know, if they want nothing and it works out, like fine, but I just don't, think that's really the kind of player we need to be targeting. To me, it's much more of like a stretchy wing, a big wing who can play some four, maybe some small ball five, more athletic, ideally can shoot. Someone who can play with Al or Rob, kind of like a Grant Williams, but ideally someone who's a little maybe taller, more athletic, and like can protect the rim a little bit. But I think we don't really have... Oh, I mean, we have arguably <laughs> the best wing duo in the league. Well, really not even arguably. We have the best starting wings in the league. We don't really have a backup wing. I mean, we have Hauser, who's, like you said, is, you know, he is what he is, but I wouldn't consider him like a true, he's coming in to replace either of those guys. And then Grant is kind of an eye of the beholder thing. Is he a wing? Is he a big? I don't know. But I think we need a backup wing who could kind of slot in anywhere from two through four, ideally even five, if it's kind of the perfect guy um, and can kind of help us out in that way. To me, in terms of actually cracking the playoff rotation and making a difference, I think a guy like that would be much more impactful than a a true conventional backup center. Yeah. I mean, the way I kind of prefaced it was like, if we can get a, you know, I feel like a backup wing is probably what everybody wants and what we Well, I don't should. think it is. I feel like at least if listening to a lot of, you know, local media and Celtics, different Celtics people, um, I think the, the overarching, it seems like most people actually are more interested in acquiring a big. It's oh. kind of the vibe I'm getting. Well, I, I wouldn't say I'm more interested in it. I just think like, you know, good 
wings are harder to come by. So it's like, obviously, if they become available, you want to get as many as you can. So it's like, I think it's something that you should always be looking for. So mm. I'm just thinking, you know, outside of that, do I mean, you know, I'd like a big. Um, <laughs> I just think bigs are think, a dime you know, a dozen. And like you said, that's more of a buyout. Well, that's sign of I mean. vet, sign of like, unsigned you know, vet, get a buyout guy. Yeah. Giving up assets for a guy who, if everyone's healthy, might not even play in certain playoff games is silly to me. Yeah. No, I think a, I think a big in the buyout market is more than enough. Um, I mean, I think we've we've looked we've looked through rosters for like potential trade candidates or whatever, and I don't think mm-hmm. there's really anyone out there for like someone that you know someone on the level that we're thinking, someone that's you know, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I just don't see anyone that's really worth it. I don't know if someone might pop up, but no, I do think I think if the we're getting a big to is, me, it has to be at least someone who can shoot. Like I said, someone who can play theoretically four or five and play alongside Al or Rob. Because, I mean, again, everyone talks about Rob insurance, and, you know, Al's been great, but he's no spring chicken. So, like, to me, again, the Pirtle thing, you get Pirtle, Al gets hurt. You're not playing Pirtle and Rob together. Like, you're just not. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think for Wings, too, we, we – I think we kind of touched on it, or we talked about it earlier. Um, you know, like a – I mean, I would love to bring Jay Rich back if he gets bought out. Um, I don't really know. Probably it would be tough to make a trade work with his salary. Um, but I like Jay Rich. I think he would be a good backup yeah. wing like he was when he was here. Um, yeah. Jay Crowder coming back would be fun. I don't think, <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen either, but like, those are a couple yeah. guys where I think right. if they get bought out or, you know, if somehow we can make a trade work without giving right. too much. And I mean, again, when we say we need a wing, like, and I said, you know, the Jays are really our only true wings, but Again, we have got Smart, White, and Brogdon, three big guards who play together and play off the ball. So, like, they're essentially playing wing. At times, all three of those guys play together. They can defend bigger guys. So, I mean, again, we're in a good spot, and we have eight really good rotation players. So, like you said, need – it's hard to say we need anything. But if we're adding kind of one final piece to this puzzle, that would be my dream fit is a big wing – who can hopefully shoot and defend. Um, and I mean, again, what, what team doesn't want that? Exactly. But, all right. Um, so, I mean, then it gets tricky too, where it's like, what do the Celtics really have to trade? So I think from what I'm hearing and from kind of what makes sense, I don't think there's any reason to really mess with the top eight. I would say yeah. almost all of those guys are, I mean, untouchable is obviously a silly word to use, but, Almost untouchable, with the exception, especially lately, I would say, of Grant, who's probably the eighth man, and like you said, hasn't been, I wouldn't say disappointing, but hasn't taken a big step forward either. He's obviously also coming up on free agency and is looking, you know, to get paid. We'll see how that works out and how that factors into any decision with keeping him not. I think if, and I think it's a a big if it would surprise me, but if the Celtics want to kind of really try to go for that last piece of this core and make a significant upgrade, Grant is kind of the obvious sweetener in any deal where it would be Grant, maybe Pritchard, some more salary and picks. But for the most part, I mean, I think that's what we're working with. And again, I think it'd be really hard to actually find a, a clear and obvious trade that would be worth it to ship out Grant. Cause again, 
he fits so well with this team. We know what he brings in the playoffs. I mean, game seven against the Bucs, obviously, but also his defense on KD, his defense on Giannis, his versatility, his, you know, what he brings team chemistry-wise. And just, again, the way he embraces that role, a young kid in a contract year, not everyone would be content with the role he has, but he has been a, you know, a stand-up guy and a, a good citizen. So I definitely don't think we need to be shopping Grant or looking to move him unless they're, you know, have inside info from him or his agent, whatever, that, you know, he's not re-signing, he's not happy here, and obviously that would change things. But there's no indication to believe that. So I think unless, you know, an opportunity comes along, you know, OG and an OB is, I don't think it's realistic, but someone like that who you say, oh, wow, like we could go get this guy who would really, really bring us to the next level. Then I think you start talking grants and picks and whatever. But I think that's very, very, very unlikely. Yeah. And I mean, I think OG is probably like the only realistic trade target, I think, where... I don't even think that's realistic. You can make a case. I mean, who who knows? I mean, not not like realistic as far as we get him, realistic as far as like who's available. Um. So like if if there was a deal to be made, right for OG, you know, I would obviously throw Grant in there. Um, yeah, but I just don't think anyone like of that caliber is really available. Yeah, and I don't um, either. And I mean, I don't, I don't think that Gallinari's getting dealt. I think that would be. I mean, his six point five million is nice for salary, but we would lose the three and a half million uh, disabled player exception, which we would probably be using to sign, would give us some leverage in the buyout market. And I mean, it would just be kind of cold business to Gallinari, who's been traveling with the team, rehabbing, is still saying that hopefully he'll be back for the playoffs. I'm not counting on it, but I don't really see that happening. And from what I think I read from Keith Smith reported today that what teams are saying is it seems like the Celtics are largely shopping for guys that will fit into the Dennis Schroeder traded player exception, which yeah. is 5.9 million. So they're only asking about guys who exception. make, yeah. it's fine. And I mean, again, for the role we're looking to fill, which we just said is the eighth or ninth man and someone who will just kind of, it's a move on the margins. We're not looking for a guy who makes 20 million. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think that's realistically what we're looking for, that if the Celtics make any trade, it's probably going to be something like, you know, Pritchard, Maybe it might be a sweetener if teams like him. Maybe some seconds. Maybe a protected first, depending on the player, if we really like him. And that um, TPE, to bring home someone who makes roughly $6 million a year or less. And I think, if we're being realistic, that's what we're looking at if there's a trade to be made. Yeah. I mean, Brad shown he's not afraid to trade first, so I, mean, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be <laughs> Definitely surprised. not. I just don't um, know especially... if there's a player out there who he thinks is worth it. And if you look at kind of the mold, especially since Brad took over, he's targeted guys who are under team control for multiple years. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, for that, with, with the parameters of what he has to work with, there just aren't a lot of guys who kind of fit that mold and make sense. Right. And, you know, to go back to the Gallinari thing, I think if he's if we're you know if he's off the table, obviously there's yeah. certain. And I don't things. think he's off the table. But, but if we're not if we're not moving him, then we're not we're right. probably not getting anybody significant because that well they, that, sa- that salary is important exactly. as far as contract matching for us. Right, and I've heard you know Kelly Olynyk rumors, and I would Kelly Olynyk. I mean, talk about a big who could shoot and play. 
fit it would fit perfectly, but he makes about twelve million. So you're looking at Gallinari, Pritchard, and even another contract and then something Blake, like that. So JJ. I just Yeah, which I mean we could do it. And I wouldn't be shocked if it happens, but I would temper expectations for anyone yeah. anyone hoping for a reunion with Kelly O. Or really anyone who makes even ten million or more, I just yeah. I, I would say it's a long shot. Yeah. Anyone who makes ten million plus uh, Gallinari pretty much has to be in there. Yeah. You know, unless it, definitely. Mean, you know, they're obviously, there are obviously, uh, mm-hmm. s- you know, certain circumstances, but, um, for sure. And I mean, having spot. said that, another thing about this Brad era is the Celtics, everything's been kept close to the vest. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't think you and I talked multiple times for hours about almost every guy in the league who we thought was a target and mm-hmm. Derek white rarely, if ever came up. I mean, that trade was completely out of nowhere. I didn't see it. I mean, I don't remember that ever coming right. up. The Brogdon trade pretty much out of nowhere. Like it's been moves that you don't see coming, which is another reason why I think all the smoke around this Jakob Pertle thing is not coming from the Celtics. And I haven't given it much credence because there have really been no, Celtic rumors of the last two years that have come to fruition at all. It's really yeah. been the opposite. Those have proven to be nothing, and it's been moves that nobody saw coming. He also just, so. like, he doesn't seem like a guy, like, that Brad has ever valued, really. I mean, like, it's not it's not the no. type of player that Brad has ever targeted. <laughs> and, I mean, I no. know it's not his team, you know, he's not coaching anymore, but still, right. it's like... No, but I think he's building a team in his mold, and yeah. you know he did coach this team and a lot of these guys. He knows as well as anyone what they need and what he wants that image to be, and I think he's very aligned with Joe and the coaching staff. So it seems like everyone's on the same page, and yeah, I don't think a, a clunky non-shooting center, again, who Pirtle's really good and would, would play well for us, but um, yeah, it just seems, again, like a too much of a luxury that we don't need and there's no need to rock the boat kind of there. And then we bring in another guy who's playing for his next contract and is learning on the fly and this and that. It just, it just seems too much. There are, I mean, there are a couple guys on Utah though that I could see that that I could see fitting, but I just don't think it's Kelly. No. So I made a list of guys who make could fit into the TPE. I mean, I listed all the guys that I think are available and somewhat realistic, and then I highlighted the ones that I would like the most. So in order, um, as you know, I've tweeted about and told you numerous times, Jared Vanderbilt from the Jazz is probably my number one target. Um, he doesn't make a lot of money. He's got another year under contract. He's a, kind of a stretchy five slash four. Um, I mean, I think he could play with either one of our bigs. He's not a shooter, but he can hit an open corner three. He runs the floor. Very unselfish. Um, I just think he'd be a great fit. Great insurance off the bench. And um, again, you know, adds versatility. He doesn't need the ball. Defense first guy. Um, I would love to see someone like Vanderbilt come into the team. Either of the McDaniels brothers, Jaden or Jalen from, uh, Minnesota and Charlotte, who are also kind of, you know, big wings, not going to play much stretch five, but I think they'd both be great additions. They both make like $2 million if even. I don't really know why those guys would be available, but there's been plenty of buzz about it. So again, I don't know what the cost would be. PJ Washington from Charlotte too. I don't know if they'd want to move him and he's going to be a restrictive free agent. So that's the problem with Vanderbilt's really the only guy who has another year. So all the rest Mm -hmm. of these guys would kind of be rentals. But I think at 
this point, the Celtics are in the market for a rental and ideally they'd only be giving up a second in Pritchard or something like that. It's not, you know, I don't think they're going to trade a first for a potential rental unless they're really confident in re-signing what the guy they'd bring in. But you make a trade for PJ Washington, it's hard to imagine they're going to bring back him and Grant. So I don't know what they'd be willing to give up or if Washington's even available. Um, Hamadou Diallo, who we saw last night in Detroit, looked really good. He would fit in there. Um, he's another guy in kind of that wing mold. Nas Reed, more of a conventional big from Minnesota, but uh, good we motor. Know, we know Scal loves Chief. Nas. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, it's, it's obviously not the most inspiring list. Justice Winslow, uh, Sadiq Bey, Isaiah Stewart. Like, you know, most of these guys aren't moving the needle. The first few I mentioned, Vanderbilt, you know, is my main target or probably one of, either one of the McDaniels. Um, I think those would be the most useful players that we could realistically acquire. If we get any of those three guys in the next few days with that TPA, I will be thrilled. I'm, I'm cool with any of them. Um, is is Alexander Walker available at all? Has that been floating? He, he's not exactly well, a he's not a big I'm sure wing, he but... is, but I just don't I don't think he'd play for us. Really? I don't know. I mean he's he's a good shooter. He's he's a Yeah, big, but I just think our guard but I think we have enough of that. I mean I don't know who's he gonna play over. He's not gonna play over Marcus, Derek, Malcolm, Jalen, like play over Hauser, but that's not a lot of eh, I, maybe. I mean I think so. I mean Yeah, I mean whatever if that's I, I don't know. Is he is he an upgrade over Pritchard? Maybe. I think so. Yeah. I mean he's He's six six. I mean, I know, uh, just from a defensive standpoint, I don't know if he's a good defender, but I mean, you know, it's all right. Richard, Richard's. Uh, I mean, you know, I like having this. I like like the idea of a long guard, another guy that we can slot in there. And I mean, he can play a little wing. It's not like he's, you know, confined to just playing guard. But I don't know. I mean, he also fits in the TP, which is why I'm looking at it. Um, yeah, I, know he, he's I mean the also, fact that this he, Utah team that's rebuilding, he can too, barely, can't really too. get minutes for them. I don't know. I, I mean, I, I had him on my yeah. long list, but I, I mean, I'm not I'm not too enthused, I guess. I mean, he's also I think he's also in the last year, so he'd be a rental. Um, yeah. I believe he's in the last year of his deal. So like, you know, maybe yeah, I think it'll be restricted. Get him for if I'm not mistaken for cheap. I mean, if it's a TPE in a second or something, then screw it. Yeah, um, that's fair. You know, Danny does us a favor. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, also, like, someone like that, too. Um, but, yeah, any of the guys you listed, happy with any of them. I mean, you know, if it's pretty much anyone who fits in the TPE and doesn't, you know, take any real, you know, assets to come back, I'm happy adding to the team. I'll, I'll take right. I'll take all and that's, again, when I the list I made, I'm operating on the assumption that it's someone who's going to fit the TPE and that our right. package is essentially nothing more than, like, Pritchard and a second. Yeah. Or so two seconds. Any, or two seconds. <laughs> you can have two. You can have three seconds. Yes. Like, you know, for Vanderbilt or one of the I mean, McDaniels. I would be totally fine with that. Apparently three um, seconds is the new first, right? Isn't that what uh, Milwaukee's going around? <laughs> Yeah, that's what they want it to be, at least. What did they? Who did they offer for three seconds? Um, wasn't, wasn't there someone a couple of weeks ago where they were like, "Was that their Hachimura offer?" Or was that? Or was Broadway? it? Uh, was it Eric Gordon? Maybe. Oh yeah, I think you're right. Actually, it was. Yeah, I think it was four seconds they offered for oh, or something, but well, something so silly. Yeah, four seconds is the new one and a half firsts. So it's pretty good. I guess <laughs> it's a tough sell. But yep. who knows? Um, 
but yeah, I mean, I think that's it's not exciting for um, Celtics fans who kind of love you know the big splash. But I just don't think the big splash is out there. I don't think Pirtle's the answer. I mean, is the Durant quote unquote rumor even worth talking about? No, he's not going. Anywhere. I don't. He's not going anywhere. And if he is, it's not to us. No. I don't. I think you know that's a move on. Um, I mean, all those Pistons guys. Boyan Bogdanovich, we just we don't have the juice to get him, and I don't know that they're really intent on moving him. Uh, Sadiq Bay, Isaiah, yeah, he makes I think seventeen mil exactly. Um, Sadiq and Stewart, I just don't think are moving the needle. They're just I like Sadiq. I mean, yeah, I, again, I mean, yeah, maybe I like the I mean, idea of him. He's a he's a Hauser. Yeah, he's a chucker on a bad team. He's not very good at defense. Gets lost a lot. I don't know. He did not look good last night. Um, and he usually does look good against the Celtics. But yeah, none of those Pistons guys. I mean, Alec Burks, I would like, but I think they're they're lo- just looking for a lot. And uh, I just don't know if we can get in that market. Um, maybe if they bought out Corey Joseph, Nerlens Noel, those are guys I'd look at in the buyout market, not in trade. Um, Jay Rich, you mentioned maybe. I mean, I, he I don't, he doesn't make a ton of money, so but I don't know what we'd be willing to give up, and I don't know. You'd have to use the Gallinari money to to match. Yeah, that. and again, I mean, people have mentioned him as a buyout because I think it makes sense kind of logically, but the Spurs are so far they're yeah. under the salary floor, so yeah. they can't they need to keep guys. <laughs> they need money, like right. they need to pay somebody. So I don't think they're going to buy him out. Um, you know, he's been all right for them, like. I just don't see it. There's just not a lot of sellers. I think the two teams everyone kind of is waiting on right now are the Jazz and the Raptors, where people yeah. are wondering, are they going to pull the trigger and blow it up? And, um, I mean, that could shift things around the NBA, obviously. But, again, whether it's Ananobi, Van Vliet, Siakam, I don't think the Celtics are realistic players for any of those guys. And as we just mentioned with the Jazz, I mean, I have my eyes on Vanderbilt, but in terms of the Conley, Beasley, Olenek, whoever else, really, um, again, I mean – I just don't see it. I, I really, I mean, and beyond that, I mean, those are the only big, quote unquote, big splashes that I think are realistically going to happen over the next few days. I'm sure there'll be something that happens that kind of shocks us, but I don't think it's going to involve the Celtics. I think, um, yeah, I, I don't think we're looking at any of those big splashes. And even what I've just mentioned aren't necessarily big splashes, but um, you know, Celtics fans, I think temper expectations. Uh, we have a really good team. Uh, and I, also, think we're back I don't see Danny kind of improving on the market. either. Cause Danny's not like never really been the blow it up guy. I mean, you obviously you look at like when he did it with Pierce and Garnett, but that was unique circumstance. But I mean, when he was the GM here for during our rebuild, I mean, yeah, there was really, well, was there any point at the trade deadline where he like, blew it up. I mean, we always had competitive teams. Not at the deadline, certainly, but I think this is a unique situation this year, and especially with how competitive the league is because of the play-in, I think he might realize he's in a good spot where he's holding all these cards as one of the few teams that actually could sell. So I think if he sees an opportunity where with those guys we mentioned, like, you know, Beasley's a fine player, but he's a good bench guy on a contender. Same with, you know, Mike Conley at this point in his career is you know, maybe he could be your starting point guard, but he's not like, if he, if he can get significant draft capital and prospects for those guys, I think he'll do it in a heartbeat. But I think he's also content keeping them and riding it out. Like he's, yeah. he's got a zillion picks from Mitchell and Gobert. He got Markinen, who's already an all-star. He got Walker Kessler, who looks like, you know, the next Gobert. The Jazz are in a great spot all around. They don't have to do anything, but I think as, you know, the hours tick down and there's going to be a desperate team who calls and probably makes the Indian offer that he can't refuse. And 
I could see it happening, but like I said, I definitely don't think it'll be the Celtics. I think maybe yeah. we could hopefully steal like someone like Vanderbilt, um, and that's that would be the biggest splash I would expect. Danny owes us one, so. <laughs> yeah, I mean, doesn't Danny want to get a ring and come down on the court and get a standing O? Uh, exactly. Ride in a duck boat in the parade? He's, <laughs> so. he's definitely getting a ring if, if yeah. we win it all. Yeah, deservedly so. So, you know, take back Pritchard. If we still had, uh, you know, Langford and, and Neesmith, we could probably throw wow. those two in Pritchard and probably get, get Mark and him back or yeah. something. Yeah. <laughs> but, I don't know. I was thinking, ironically, it's obviously not allowed because we traded them, but... <laughs> If we could get Neesmith and Tice from the Pacers, <laughs> that would basically solve all our problems. That would be pretty sweet, yeah. Yeah, but anyway, um, I mean, any before we jump into some potential buyouts or guys, vet minimums who aren't playing, any anything else trade-wise you think is really worth mentioning? I know it's kind of underwhelming, but... No, I, I mean, I'm not, I mean I, I'm not seeing anything really major no. for us. I'm not um, either. But, you know, Brad has some prizes, so... Exactly, and like we said, the moves that have been made have come completely out of nowhere, so we could have egg on our face in a couple of days. They could pull a big move that nobody sees coming, and I can't say I'd be shocked because of that's kind of how the team has operated, and they've been doing good business, and they've been doing it behind closed doors. So mm-hmm. I would imagine whatever they're eyeing, we know nothing about at this point. So we're basically speculating on these guys. Hopefully they're thinking along the same lines, but I think if they make no trades... Uh, they feel good about the team we have, and why shouldn't we? Well, we'll know in 24 hours, right? Or so? I mean, 48. Uh, about, yeah, about 46, 45 and a half at this point, okay, as it's perfect. now 5.30 on the East Coast. But, yeah, so, I mean, I think that's what we're looking at. Um, so let's talk buyouts, and obviously it's a little too early. No one's been bought out yet, but after the deadline, those will all trickle in. So, I mean... None of these are <laughs> exactly moving the needle a ton either, but the Celtics, as I mentioned, they have that DPE from the Gallinari injury. So once the buyout market opens up, we really should be in a pretty good position where we can offer these guys a solid amount of money, potentially a solid role, and a good chance to chase a ring. So that's basically what the teams that these buyout guys gravitate towards, we check the boxes. So uh, we are in that position where these kind of buyout vet ring chasers, the Celtics theoretically should be one of the more attractive teams, I would think. So yeah, we've, we've been wanting to get to this point for, <laughs> yeah, We're exactly. There. We should have our pick of the litter. Unfortunately, I'm just not sure what that'll hold, but the guys I've written down, uh, bear with me. Cause it's, it's not the best list, but we got John wall, yeah, you, and you can just kind of spit back your kind of one oh, sentence uh, thoughts if you want. I guess that's probably the best way to go through here. John Wall, he does nothing for me. No, I mean again, no it's like we're going back to the whole in. like if nobody else, then I guess. Right. But but why even? Is right. he even an upgrade over Pritchard? And he's you know talk about bringing in an ego. I don't know that he has one, but again, but yeah. he's on a team that's a contender right now and doesn't have a point guard in the Clippers, and they're yeah. talking about buying him out. Yeah, no. What's he going to do for us? I'm all set with him. Yeah. All right. Um, Crowder, we already mentioned. I don't see him getting bought out because at this point we know the Suns have offers. Why would they not take, at the end of the day, whatever offer they have yeah. for a guy who obviously some teams want? And, again, I mean, again, he would help a lot of contenders. Yeah. He's kind of what we're talking about, and he hasn't showed up to the Suns. So I think they'd want to trade him for anything. Yeah. He makes enough money that I don't think he's really in our wheelhouse. I don't see a path to a buyout if for whatever reason it happens. Yeah. 
Definitely. Yeah. Give me Jay Crowder. Yeah. If he was yeah. happy to come back here, why wouldn't we? Yeah, he won't he won't get bought out. I mean, worst case they'll take a second form from somebody and whatever. right. Um but so. yes, I would take him. Uh Plumley from Charlotte. Yeah. He would okay. fit he would fit the bill as a guy who on a buyout, if we can bring him in and just to, he would be a bolstering the cornet role without giving anything up. Right. That to me makes much more sense than trading for Pertle. Yes. No, to I'm, fill I'm, a similar role. Yeah. No, I'm in on Plumley. Sergi Baca. Do you have anything left? Um, does he have anything left? I'm going to say no. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I, I love the the idea. I love that mold. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. Maybe he can put it together for you know a couple couple minutes, couple games here and there. I don't know. I mean, I haven't seen much of him, but I've always I've always been a big surge guy. I mean, I've liked- well, I mean, if, if he was still. The old surge, I would right. take him in a heartbeat. He'd be ideal, but uh, I think that guy's yeah. gone. I'm just not sure. And I mean, yet. again, he's bounced around from the Bucks and the Clippers. Again, if other contenders that have a need for his role are yeah. happily pushing him aside, we probably don't need him. He probably would be another Blake Griffin at this point. Right. Um, one that intrigued me a little, a guy who we've talked about a lot and I've had some opinions on, Andre Drummond. Uh. Yeah. And he could be a trade too. I think he fits into our TPE possibly too. So if that ends up being the move there, or if he gets bought out, either way, he is another guy who I mean, <laughs> say I've criticized Drummond a lot, and we've all laughed at you know I oh, think yeah. there was the the Lakers line last year when they picked him up, and we're like we can sit LeBron and AD to the playoffs now because <laughs> we've Drummond and Russ and like please we're done with that. But as a Cornet replacement. I mean, yeah. there aren't many better rebounders in the NBA. No, I would so, take him. I mean, I think he's... 10 minutes a game of Drummond. I mean, he's looked pretty good, actually, for the Bulls. I think most of his career, he's kind of been one of those, like, empty stat guys where he puts up, you know, he Very. can give you 20-20 and <laughs> a few blocks, but, you know, those he's aren't not contributing really... to winning. Yeah, those, those aren't really impactful, and I mean... Yeah, be, but, you know, he is a very good rebounder, so that's why he yeah. got so many rebounds. But, I mean, you know, just huge. being a good rebounder doesn't make you, like, a superstar, right. which everyone kind of thought no. he was. Um, but if he's ready and, to embrace – if yeah. he's been humbled and is ready to embrace the role of 10th guy ring chaser who maybe plays 10 minutes a night. Yeah, and, I mean, he, he would, you know – He would he'd, fit the mold. He's, he would be fine, man. I mean, like, you know, people always – because you got a lot of blocks doesn't mean mm-hmm. you're a great defender also. So, I mean, right. I think um, – yeah. If if he was, you know, if he's just coming in to fill the cornet role, I'm fine with that. Yeah, same. Um, another guy in that same mold and role, local favorite, Maryland's Noel. Yeah, I mean, you seem to think he's more, he's pretty washed, but that's kind of the guy I like. <laughs> I don't even know if washed is the right word. I don't know if he was good. ever good. Yeah. Was he ever oh, good? I mean, I mean uh, in his prime, he would be a great what, backup when was center. His prime? When was his prime that he was a great backup center? For five minutes on the Knicks, maybe like I yes. don't know. Yeah, he's when always he, been more down, kind of the, theoretical. When he turned down seventeen million. And, <laughs> well, he, yeah, sure. When he fired his agent, <laughs> didn't he sue them? You sue and clutch, didn't I he? I would, yeah, him? probably. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess again, if he gets bought out, sure. I'm not sure he's much of an upgrade if at all over Cornette, though. Um, Javale McGee. Ugh. Man, um, <laughs> he's a winner, right? Yeah, he is a winner. He uh, is a winner. I don't know. I mean, yeah, sure. Uh, is he I better? I mean, the same thing though. If it, he's on Dallas right now, if they can't use him, yeah, I, I don't know. Well, Dallas is Dallas is a joke. <laughs> Perhaps, but I, I don't know. 
here's a good one. If he gets, tr- he, obviously he'd have to get traded to get bought out. Russell Westbrook. <laughs> Are you touching that with a 10 foot pole? No. I'm not either. No. Why, why bother? That doesn't make sense on any level. It's a, it's a almost zero reward, massive risk proposition. <laughs> right. I like you Russ. Did. I feel for him, but just no. Even if he was a robot and there was no like <laughs> human inside of him, I would say no because he just doesn't fit. Yeah, Derek Rose. Um, no. Yeah, I kind of feel similarly to Russ. Like, why bother? Yeah, doesn't really. He doesn't really fill a need. Terrence Ross. Yes. Yeah. See, you said yes today. I know you're a big Terrence Ross guy. I just think he's. I'm, I'm not washed. even a Terrence. I think he's no D. He's a pure chucker. And at this point, I don't see any reason to give him minutes over Hauser. No, and I, I mean, I'm not really, I'm not even a huge Terrence Ross guy. Oh, you just, love him. It's just the whole <laughs> Celtics thing where he's always been really, you know, he's always killed yeah, us. Yeah. And it's like every year at the trade deadline, it's like, are they finally going to free Terrence Ross? Right. Like, let's go get him. Free him, yeah. Whatever. <laughs> so it's kind of like, you know, uh, it's kind of that whole thing. Where it's like, you know what, let's just finally get him. Let's bring him home. This is where he was meant to be. He can retire a <laughs> Celtic. Yeah, yeah, that'd know. be awesome. Nate, so you know, Jersey in the rafters, the whole thing. <laughs> totally get it, get him, there. get him the ring. Uh, no, uh, I don't know. I mean, yeah, sure. He, he could uh, be. Ha- he'll be Hauser Insurance. Yeah, yeah, great. Uh, Will Barton. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, he's kind of. He's I, he's fine, I guess, but I think he's I think also probably no need. He's probably a little bit no past his prime, too. So Way past his prime. Um, not a good, I don't know. It, just not adding enough. To I don't know no if reason. he's a guy that would really play. No reason to pursue it, exactly. Um, and why rock the boat? Yeah. And then, I mean, I think probably the best candidate from the whole list, uh, I would say, who we already mentioned, is probably a long shot, is old friend Josh Richardson, where currently I see no reason why the Spurs would buy him out. But... If they take on some salary dumps in the next couple of days ahead of the trade li- deadline, and they do get over the salary floor, you know, maybe maybe they're a team that gets Russ dumped on them, or Ben Simmons, or some mm. one of these huge albatross contracts. Like they could take them on if someone's going to dump picks to get rid of the contract. So if they take on a bunch of money, maybe they do buy out Jay Rich. In which case, I would absolutely take him back in a heartbeat, and I think he's someone who could be our ninth, tenth man. And actually play, and I mean, we saw him last year. He was good yeah. for us. So, well, they just took on. Did they just take on Deadman's money from Miami? Yeah, but I mean, I'm, I'm, I think they'd have to take on more, you yeah. know, big money. But we'll see. Who knows? Uh, but that would be. I, I, I mean, I think I'd take him over anyone we just mentioned, other yeah. than maybe Crowder. But I think yeah. Crowder and Richardson are both pretty unrealistic. Yeah. I would like to see Jay Rich if that. Yeah, but all right. I think we're pretty much on the same page again. A very underwhelming list. Anyone else you had uh, on your um, mind for a buyout candidate who I didn't just mention? No, I think you hit them all. Yeah. Um, let me see. I had this pulled up, didn't I? Uh, Wall, Crowder, Pumley, Serge, Westbrook, Rose, Nerlens, Ross, Barton. No, that's yeah, pretty much it. Yeah, so that would just then leave us with unsigned vets who could become signed. And this list, I started writing them down, and I stopped after about 10 minutes because <laughs> I was like, why am I even wasting my time writing yeah. these names down on paper? <laughs> but the only there. ones, yeah, if we can bring back Ennis Freedom, I mean, that we'd really be cooking. Uh, no. 
But the only names I thought were even worth mentioning were Dwight Howard, Taiwanese legend. He's not uh, leaving. He's not leaving Taiwan. Boogie Cousins, Hassan Whiteside, and of course, Carmelo. Any chance of signing any of those guys? Um, I would say no. Honestly, I would I would take Dwight. I just don't think he seems <laughs> so, happy. Yeah, I mean, I'd say if those guys are in shape and we whiff on all other bigs and really want another big on the bench, I'd yeah. be fine with taking a shot on Boogie or Whiteside. Whiteside was actually pretty good last year uh, as a backup center. I'm kind of surprised he hasn't caught on anywhere. So maybe if, if you know, we don't make a trade, don't mm-hmm. get a buyout, and we but like really want to fortify that backup center role, I could see I'd be fine with taking on one of those guys. Uh, I think, you know, they'd probably fill the role better than Blake if they haven't, you know, eaten themselves out of shape or whatever. Um, and then obviously for my own sentimental reasons, I would love <laughs> to get Carmelo on the end of the bench and hopefully get him a ring. And uh, I should, yeah. I don't hate uh, Melo as a depth, uh, depth wing. I mean, it's, as long as he's not 300 pounds and out of yeah. shape, but no, I, he was uh, at the Q's game the other night. He looked great. Oh. The shape of his life. <laughs> well, there's a ringing endorsement. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I don't think we need to discuss that much no. further. No. All set with those guys. Yeah, so, I mean, that's pretty much it. I think we've kind of covered it. It's, like I said, pretty underwhelming stuff all around. Uh, anything else on kind of the Celtics from a deadline acquisition standpoint that you want to touch on? No, I don't think so. I mean, I think basically... We're on the same page is that if we can add a little something around the edges, some depth um, for not a lot of money, not a lot of capital, then let's go. If not, I still think we have a great roster. And you know, as is, we're probably still, as everything stands, probably still a favorite to win it all. So Amen. with our team either way. Yeah, I'm with you 100%. Um, all right, so let's take a couple minutes just to end here with some quick hitters from the rest of the NBA since it's been so long. We have to, have to, have to talk. <laughs> Kyrie Irving, mm-hmm. uh, thoughts on this whole trade situation, whatever you want to call it. Uh, what, what's your thoughts? Uh, I mean, it's kind of seemed like it came out of nowhere. I mean, I didn't, I wasn't really paying attention, but I don't know. I mean, he seemed like he was just, you know, as happy as he's ever been, which is not saying a lot, but um, I don't know. I mean, it was kind of – it happened very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, I guess it kind of had to. There wasn't much time left. And I think I think Brooklyn did really, really well. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, I think they made a good move there. I don't think they necessarily got worse. And if they did, not very. Um, they got, I think I heard – I was listening to uh, the Dunked On pod with Nate Duncan and um... – Danny LaRue, and I think it was Danny, put it pretty well when he said, I think their the Nets' floor probably got higher, but their ceiling got lower. Yeah, maybe. Which is fair. But, yeah. I mean, but, I mean, that's good, considering they basically had to sell a quote-unquote star as a distressed yeah. asset. I mean, they got a great, uh, you know, or a really good yeah. wing defender. 
And they uh, freed Cam Thomas. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so now he's they got that scoring punch that they uh, right. they got so, they lost know, with Kyrie. As long as KD can fit alongside Cam Thomas when he's right. healthy, they're probably as long as they can coexist. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, what do you think for Dallas, though? I mean, what what, what do you make of that situation? It's basically, uh, I'd say there's like a one percent chance that it works, ninety nine percent chance that it ends the franchise for the next <laughs> 10, 10 years. Um, I just thought, I mean, if they absolutely catch lightning in a bottle and they fit together perfectly, Kyrie's a, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a great citizen, great teammate, does what he has to do, does what he's supposed to do. And they're absolutely hitting on all cylinders as best as they possibly could be. Yeah. Then, you know, they're still not winning a championship. Probably not. But does that make Luca happy that they brought in another star? Yeah, I don't know. Well, if but then you know even if that all does happen, Luca's happy. Um, you know they make a little run, whatever that is, winning one or two series. Then then what? I mean, mm-hmm. you're gonna resign him to a full max, and if you do, then you're stuck with Kyrie Irving <laughs> on a full max until he's like 34. Mm-hmm. Or if you don't sign him. <laughs> Then you just gave away uh, Dorian Finney-Smith, Dinwiddie, and two firsts, and one you're first, starting. But, oh, it was yeah. only one? One first and two seconds, I think. But, oh, okay. uh, it, I mean, it, either way, you, the point is you right. gave up a lot. But if I can just play devil's advocate, I guess, usually with Kyrie, when he first gets to a team, everything's good. Sure. So I wouldn't actually be surprised if he comes in, is a great citizen, says all the right things, does all the right things, plays great basketball. And I think the on-court fit should be really good. Um, you know, I mean, Luca's not LeBron from back in the day, but it could they could definitely catch something similar to what that Cleveland team had when they were at their heights with, um, you know, these guys playing together, pick and roll. Kyrie can play off the ball. He's obviously, you know, a knockdown shooter, a second creator, ball handler. Um, I mean, Look at how bad this team has been without Luca on the floor. Now they have another guy who can theoretically keep the offense together. So I could see it working, at least in the short term. You'd have – I mean, with Kyrie, we can't assume anything. But at this point, if he doesn't realize he's, like, down to his last chance, then he obviously never will. So if he wants to get a big contract from anyone, you'd think he's going to keep it together. He's going to ride it out. Um, so, I mean, I, I think I'm a little maybe – I've talked myself into being a little more bullish on them, at least for this year. Um, and then we'll see from there, but yeah, we've seen things go horribly wrong. And if he leaves, I guess they could at least, you know, they could probably dump Christian Wood and get to close to 30 million in cap space. So who knows, but I mean, wow, the Kyrie Irving saga. I mean, there's just one chapter after another. It's quite the scene. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think they're definitely going to look good offensively, but that's where, you know, they're going to get into trouble is they have Irving yeah. and Luca as the backcourt. I yeah. mean... We'll see if they got another move in them. If, you know, if their team just... If they get through the deadline, their team this is their team. I mean, who's going to protect the rim when every guard blows by Luca and and Kyrie? I mean, Christian Woods uh... would... Like, <laughs> Christian Woods historically bad defender. No, the three of them I don't think can play together unless the goal is just to win like 200 to 198 every night. But Exactly. Uh yeah, no, I mean I agree and like I said I I'm sure they're trying to kind of make another move possibly with Wood. I don't know, but uh 
it's interesting. And I mean, I got to kind of, I guess, at least respect them going for it and realizing that's an opportunity to buy low on a second star for Luca, yeah. where they didn't have a lot of other avenues to doing that. So, hey, worth a swing. We'll see how it plays out. It, it'll make the league entertaining. I'm excited to watch. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so on that note, I mean, Irving was obviously probably the biggest bonanza of the deadline. Do you think we'll see any other big splashes? Do you think there's any chance we get like a Zach Levine or is there a star move out there or is it kind of going to be quiet in the same old names we've been hearing? I don't think it's going to be. I, th- I think you'll see a lot of, you know, moves around the margins, kind of like players that we've yeah. talked about. Um, I think the biggest trade that could be could be had is probably OG. I just think so. That was my next question. I think he's in what that. You... I think he's in that sweet spot where it's like, yeah, he's not team. an all star. Yeah, he's a really good, really good yeah. player. Um, but do you think either of the other guys? Do you think the Raptors go full blow up? Do you think Van Vliet can be, is going to go? Is Siakam going to go? Or um, is Van Vliet uh, unrestricted at the end of the year? Yeah. So maybe. Um, I don't know. I, I don't think. I don't think now is the time to trade Siakam. Um, cause he's under contract. Well, I think the question is, do they want to go full blow up, full rebuild around Scotty get bad now so they can maybe get into the Wemby scoot sweepstakes at the same time as recouping all these assets right now. But uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't think they'll get, <laughs> I don't think they'll get full value for Siakam if they trade him right now. So I think that's probably, well, you say that, but at the same time, if they actually put him out there, like I said, where there's really no sellers and no guys like that, they could probably get a decent bit of going. I don't know. I think. The Raptors are the team to watch. I think they kind of are controlling things right now. They've got the assets. They're in a position where they can sell. We all know Masai is not afraid to make big moves. So that's that's kind of, I think, where everyone's looking right now to see what they're going to yeah. do. If anything big happens, it's going to probably come from Toronto. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. I think that's our best shot at getting uh, big splashes and fireworks around the league. But otherwise, I think it'll probably be pretty quiet. Yeah. Um, Anything then on the Lakers, I guess, the fallout of, you know, not that they ever had Kyrie, but it feels like they lost Kyrie and it feels like they now need to like regroup on the fly, even though that was never part of their team. Is there any hope for fixing this? I mean, what would you even do? Do you think they should be shopping those two picks that are, you know, in the next millennium, which is all they have to offer? Like, what a situation. We've got LeBron, of course, tonight in a few hours going for the all-time scoring record to pass Kareem. If he doesn't do it tonight against OKC, he'll probably do it Thursday against, I believe, the Bucs. Uh, but e- either way, I mean, any thoughts on that whole fiasco in L.A. in general? Uh, no, I mean, I think – I kind of think they're – they've put themselves in a position where they kind of have to move whatever assets they have to get as good as they can. As Do they, though? I mean, I think that I, <laughs> like, they do have... they compound past mistakes with making the future even worse? Like, I, I don't know. I think there's an argument to be made either way. Cause even at this point, even the best they might be able to get for those assets. Now that Kyrie's gone, is it making them a contender this year? And if not, why the hell are you giving up unprotected picks from when LeBron's going to be 50, you know, like, <laughs> but I mean, if you're not doing it, then if you're not selling, you know, getting rid of those picks for players that can help you right now, then what are you even doing with, LeBron and AD, like why you might as well just trade them because I mean you're not good enough to win I, at all. I don't hate that idea. <laughs> so, I think they could. I think they should look into trading AD. I think they should see what they can get. From I think them. they should, but they won't. So, yeah. I, mean, I think the thing is, like, you know, you have LeBron for the next two years in theory. <laughs> just, just go for it. I don't know if there's something you can do. I mean, I, I wouldn't. I'm not just giving them away, but 
Yeah, um, I just don't think anything's out there, and I think if they do, it's going to be a panic, and it's going to be one of those things we talked about, where they give both of those picks and Russ for, like, the Utah, Conley and Beasley, yeah. and whatever, and then it's like, okay, you're an eight seed, great. <laughs> right. And you have no picks until 2030. Yeah. <laughs> this doesn't even sound like a real year. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's definitely a made-up year. <laughs> um, anything else around the league that you think deserves a mention? I know we've run pretty long, but we had a lot to hit on. No, I'm, uh, I think we, uh, I think that was a pretty thorough pod. Yeah. Looking forward to it. All right. Last question. Gun to your head. Who comes out of the West? <laughs> Nuggets. Yeah. Finally. I hope so. I'm rooting for it. I think that's the safest pick. Um, but you know what? You put that gun to my head, and I hate to say it, but I think I'm saying the Warriors. So. Really? So, I mean, they, were, they obviously... <laughs> I, I hate to say it, but if you, like, again, you actually get down to the nitty-gritty, that series starts, it's Nuggets-Warriors, best of seven. I think in, deep down in places I don't want to talk about it, my, my gut well, tells me I, I would probably bet on the Warriors. If you're telling me it's the two of them in the Western Conference well, Finals, things... I mean, in- but them against anyone. You okay. look at the Warriors against any... It's like, I, I get it, but who's going to actually beat them? Oh, I know. What I know. team are you is stacking up against them and you're saying, yeah, I think I trust them. They're I'm just not... Them. I'm not putting that out, out. Into the, out into the universe, so... I'm going <laughs> to stick with Denver. I didn't want to. That's why I saved it for the end, but I would much... I'd be much happier to see Denver, obviously. Yeah. But, uh... Yeah, I think, gun to my head, I'm still not seeing anyone above the Warriors that I trust more. That could change. A lot will change in the next few days. I'm excited to see, um, you know, I hope none of our East rivals uh, get too much better. (laughs) So uh, we'll kind of see how it falls. Um, Again, you know, follow us on Twitter and on uh, nickperino.com to get the latest updates. So we'll be tweeting about the NBA, about the trade deadline, anything else that happens. Otherwise we'll be back next week to break down the trade deadline. If anything happens Celtics related. And if not, we'll just be back here to talk NBA talk Celtics, of course. Uh, Thanks for joining us as always apologize for the long delay, but we're back. We'll be back at it. Good to talk. Good to be back on the stream. Any final thoughts? Should have never sent him to pick up the work for him. Spray the park and had my shit inside the car. Marcus Smart Boy was shooting with a 36 on him. Said if he wasn't in a rush, they was all gone.